0: Welcome back to Frog Fever, a Killer Frogs Big 12 basketball podcast. This is episode 10. We've made it 10 episodes, 10 weeks of uh, talking Big 12 basketball. And um, we've got another good episode this week. Pretty exciting week in the Big 12. Conference play is well underway. Um, We had some upsets. We had some big wins, a court storm. We had it all. Nick, um, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. The Frog fan. I mean, you can't have a better week being two top ten teams. We yeah. were at the game last night. It was awesome. Yeah. And we kind of flipped our season around within this week and mm. as we'll get into the Big Twelve's wide open. So mm. it's an exciting time to be a TCU fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um
0: we'll get into the Oklahoma and Houston games in a little bit. But now for for now, we'll start with the Big Twelve as a whole. This conference continues to prove that it is the best in the country. But right now it's a, we're in a weird spot where it's it's not totally clear who this conference's best team is. And I thought we could discuss that first. Do you have what, what what if you had to choose right now who is the best team in the Big 12 for you?
1: Yeah, it's super interesting because after a week and a half or three games in, there's only two undefeated teams and it's Baylor and Tech, which you probably wouldn't guess would be the only two teams left having a conference with Houston and Kansas and, you know, Iowa state, like all these powerhouses mm-hmm. and then you're left with Baylor, which is kind of predictable in tech. So I don't know if either of those teams are even the top team though. What's super interesting that I I find interesting to look at is that Houston is still by far the best team in the country in net and Ken Palm, Mm -hmm. and they only have two losses, which were both this week. So taking out recency bias, I might, which sounds stupid, I might still say Houston because I think Mm -hmm. their defense is that good, and they won't have that bad of a shooting night as they had the past couple days Mm -hmm. as they kind of find their footing. Um But, damn, it's tough to look past Baylor because they've made a statement in this first three games Mm -hmm. that, you know, their defense has stepped up big time. They held Cincy to 59. They held BYU to 72. And they held Oklahoma State to 70 in OT to start. And that was their big question mark. So it's super interesting. I would say either Houston or Baylor. um, Mm -hmm. But Tech is also 14 and two with a three no record Mm -hmm. and they didn't have that non-conference and they haven't started off with that tough of opponents in the big 12 with texas okay state and k-state which are probably three of the i don't know maybe bottom five teams in the big 12 so Mm -hmm. they're still a little bit tbd for me but if i had gun to my head to pick i know it sounds stupid but i'd probably still stay houston I
0: think I'm. I would. I would agree with you. I. I still think it's Houston. I don't think Houston. I mean, the way they play defense is so scary. And for a while, it looked like they were just not going to let TC score any points yesterday when we were there. Um, but yeah, they're off. Their shooting has not been what it will be. Um, like LJ Crier has had two pretty poor shooting nights. Uh, in the in the, in Houston's first three big 12 games, or I guess it was the last two games. Cause it was Iowa state and then TCU. He didn't shoot the ball great and he's a great shooter. So I think you kind of expect him to turn it around. And once they have a guy like that, um, I'm not really worried about Houston at all. I think Iowa state and TCU are really good teams. If I think you have to acknowledge, like you said, the undefeated records that Texas tech and Baylor have, I think Baylor has been pretty impressive. Um, they went on the road uh, to Stillwater and and beat Oklahoma State in overtime. And then BYU and Cincinnati came to the new uh, arena in and, and, and Waco, and Baylor took care of both of them. And Cincinnati tested Baylor. Cincinnati's a good team. We know that. And they tested Baylor, and Baylor was able to hold on. And I think that's a really good win. But this conference is so fun because if you throw out the records, like there are, pr- what, like four or five teams – maybe more than that, that you could argue are the best team in this league. I think like, okay, let's, let's look through teams with a legitimate argument for best team in the conference are probably uh, Houston, Baylor, Kansas. I think TCU now has an argument, Iowa state, like all these teams could be uh,
1: this conference's champion, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, to the one and two teams, you know BYU's twelve in Ken Palm. I mean Oklahoma's twenty in Ken Palm. Houston's obviously one in Ken Palm. So it's we're so early into the conference year, but that's just how that's that's sign for me to how this conference is gonna be. Like you probably won't know who the best team is in conference, maybe all season until you look up and whoever wins it wins it. But I mean it's gonna be back and forth, cutthroat and. Um, A stat that I thought was interesting is that all the new Big 12 teams are 1-2 and two in conference mm-hmm. play, being Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF, who are all good teams, especially yeah. if you take out UCF, Cincy, BYU, and Houston are all really good teams. But that just shows how tough and how much better the Big 12 is in any other conference, and it takes time to adjust because mm-hmm. you're getting hit with powerhouse after powerhouse, night after night, and... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to be tough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Houston in prior years would play their non-conference and then they'd play, you know, uh, AAC ball, which is, that's fine. There are good teams in there. But it's nothing like this gauntlet of, of, of what the Big 12 is. So there are going to be teams that um, I just think they're going to adjust and they'll be fine. Same with like BYU, BYU you know, has never played a, uh, a schedule as tough as this. So it is interesting to see, and it just proves how tough this team is. Um, the other thing I'm interested in seeing is Texas Tech. They have looked good so far. They have wins at Texas and then home against Oklahoma State and Kansas State. And now they get to go to Houston. Then they get BYU, Oklahoma, TCU, Cincinnati. So they have... They have tests coming up, and and I'm excited to see how kind of they handle that.
1: Yeah, I mean, going Houston, BYU, Oklahoma, and TCU, those are probably four of the top six teams in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. So you could drop four of those. And then you go Cincy and Baylor. So, I mean, that could be six of the top seven teams Mm -hmm. with Kansas, obviously, in there. But they could drop, you know, five of six of those. Or it could – it could be bad. The next week for sure, having Houston and BYU, you're gonna figure out better what they are, because going out Houston, coming off two losses is a tough I mean, Houston's gonna be pissed off. And then home against BYU is another tough game. Um I don't know. I don't know how much to buy into this tech team because yeah. we've their non conference is really weak. Uh their best win was Michigan on a neutral side and their two real tests were Villanova and Butler and they lost both of them. Mm -hmm. So it was similar to a TCU. We said over and over again, where they didn't really challenge themselves in non-conference and Mm -hmm. don't have the bad loss, but don't have the great win. Mm -hmm. The win at Texas was huge for them to Mm -hmm. open up conference play. And it probably doesn't enough for them right now to be looked at as a good team. Mm -hmm. And obviously any game like Oklahoma state and Kansas state are still good teams, but I'm super interested to see what Tech does this week, and those are probably some of the best games of the week. Mm-hmm.
0: So, t- yeah, one more thing on Tech—they so have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve straight games of top seventy-six Ken Palm teams. Um, so they're in for quite, quite a uh, a run here, and if they can pull off like you know, they get some of these teams at home. They go, they go on the road a lot. Like they got to go to Houston in that stretch to Oklahoma, to TCU, to Baylor, but they get teams like Kansas at home. That's an opportunity. BYU at home is an opportunity. UCF, uh, both on the road and home. I think, um, yeah, we're going to find out a lot about Texas tech pretty soon. Um, but we got to give it to them. They're undefeated. They have wins over Texas, Oklahoma state and Kansas state. And, um, yeah, they're surprising me a little bit. I, I I uh I didn't really know what to expect because of like what you said is the same as TCU. We didn't really know what to expect out of TCU due to their light non conference slate, but both teams seem to be handling it well so far.
1: Yeah, do you wanna have the um the bubble conversation? Because yes. there's a lot of teams that yeah, are yeah. yeah, you know, hovering on because it's so wide open. So do you think Tech's in or out of the tournament? as today stands or projecting um
0: man that's that's tough Inter, uh, as of today i would probably say they've been kind of a bubble team in bracketology recently right like they're kind of they were kind of considered on the same level as as TCU yeah um, i would, I, would you know, that I, I think um i think right now they're probably in because they they got a good win, they got a good win at texas they, um, you know, 3-0 and in conference play is a great start. You're going to want to go 500 in conference play, and being off to a 3-0 start regardless of who the three opponents are is a big deal. And then that Michigan win, Michigan obviously is not as good as you can typically expect a Michigan team to be, but that's a, that's a fine win. Um, and, but, yeah, I mean, right now I would say I would
1: put them in, but that could completely change a week from today. I agree, too. I think you kind of have to put them in. Um, the Texas win is probably enough of a signature win standing at 13-2 and two and undefeated in conference. Mm-hmm. But even though the Texas win, as we see later on, isn't looking as good as it once was, mm-hmm. you still probably have to do more. Um, there are 37 in net and 30 in Ken Palm, which mm-hmm. being in the Big 12 probably gets you in. Yeah. And Ken Palm projects them to go eleven and seven in conference, which would be a huge That's, dub. And, yeah, it's very big. Yeah, and so I think they do. They're gonna do enough, but as we said before, like these next few games, you know, five to six to seven to twelve, as you said, games are gonna be massive to see exactly how they stand because they yeah. kind of got an easier slate to start it off. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You want to go to the the next team? You think um, Cincinnati's in or out?
0: Ooh, okay. Cincinnati is tough because they do have that win at BYU, which right now is still a huge win uh, despite BYU's one and two start to conference. But then they get Texas at home and lose by one, which was a great game and one that they could have won. And then they get Baylor on the road, another game they could have won. It's tough right now because I think they're a tournament quality team, but if you're, if you're talking like, do they have the resume to get in? I don't think they do right now. They their non-conference was not good. Their two tests were Xavier and Dayton, both of uh, both of those games they lost. Uh, that BYU is a signature win for sure, but but losing the next two, despite them playing good basketball, uh, I think probably they don't have the resume.
1: Although I think they are a
0: tournament quality team, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think it's super close. I might give them the edge because just of their metrics and rating mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, they are 32 in mm-hmm. both Ken Palm and Net, which is really good being in the Big 12. They have that signature win. And I think because why their Ken Palm is so good is that, you know, they got robbed of a win in Texas to so the Ace Miss game winner. And, mm-hmm. um, and almost beat Baylor at Baylor last night, which is such a tough game. Like, they covered mm-hmm. that. And your only losses in non-conference is Xavier and Dayton. Um, you yeah. don't have that signature win, but you picked it up with BYU. And yeah. I think they could have some success. Um, Ken Palm projects them to go nine and nine in conference play, which is gonna be super close yeah. to getting you in because their non conference is weak. Yeah. So tough, I think yeah. it's super close, but as of right now, because of how things have swung in conference play, that BYU win away is probably enough of a signature win to squeak you in because so many other teams across the country have struggled.
0: Yeah. I like that. I, I, um, I like Cincinnati a lot. They have the 18th best defense, Courtney Kempom. They rebound the ball really well. Um, they definitely have a chance. And then they, you know, they, they get TCU and Oklahoma this week, Tuesday and Saturday, both home games, both games that they can win, both of which would be obviously huge games for them. So, um, Yeah. Maybe we'll have to make this in or out a weekly segment where we, where we kind of review, review each week. But as of right now, it's tough. It's very close. Um, Yeah, I agree. Next on the list you have here is Texas. You went out, you, you went out on a hot take last week and said, even before Texas dropped the game to West Virginia last night, that Texas was not a tournament team. Um, And for me right now i may ha- i may have to join you i don't think they are a tournament team right now they don't really have that signature win that like cincinnati or um yeah like it like that win against BYU we were talking about or or texas Tech's win at te- uh, at texas texas doesn't seem to have that signature win their best win is at cincinnati which again was thanks to max azmus buzzer beater again um so yeah, I'm gonna join you. I assume I assume I know your answer, but
1: go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, it's a big no for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're just not a good team. Like they haven't put it together at all this year, and we were waiting for Sioux to come back, and DeSue came back, and they lose to West Virginia and start off conference one one and two. Um, they're they're forty three in Ken Palm and fifty nine in net, mm-hmm. and. St- with that loss to West Virginia, like that's a bad loss. And they're two Ace game winners away from being 0-3 in conference and having a loss to Louisville with 80-ranked Ken Palm LSU being your best win on the year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they don't have that, they're not even close. And I still think, as it lies today, you know, they're on the bubble before, as we said last week, or I guess they are probably in last week. I don't know. But I think they're – you can't have them in at all right now. I don't know how they were ranked. Yeah, coming the, off that loss to Tech, which is insane to me. The but big
0: question is: Does the AP poll keep Texas in the top twenty-five after? Luke, God, Luke?
1: I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows what's going on over there? Is that a quality? TCU out <laughs> or something? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I do think you have to start asking the question: um, If this Texas team spirals, and it might not. You know, they might come back and all that stuff, but. If they keep losing, like, is Ronnie Terry on the hot seat maybe? I don't know. Hot Rod. We may yeah. we have to talk about Hot Seat Rod. We may have to talk about Hot Rod. Yeah. Because last season he had that success with um a lot of Beard's players, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, with a lot of veterans on that team that have played a lot of Big 12 ball. But it's, it's tough to see – or it's not tough to see, but it's tough for Texas to – to look at this team and really have confidence in what they can bring in later on in the year. So yeah. it would be a big no for me. Yeah. All right. Who's next? The last bubble team I had was K state who, you know, we have talked about them being bad a lot. I feel mm-hmm. like, but they've coming off that loss to Nebraska. I mean, they start off conference two and one, um, and they their, loss, their only conference loss was at Tech by one point. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're kind of an interesting one here. Yep. Well,
0: let's – you go first. Yeah, so their best win of the season is um, a home game against Villanova. That was an overtime win. That was the third of their three overtime wins in a row, which is when we kind of started to talk about, like, is this Kansas State team a little fraudulent? But that was a good win. And then they – yeah, they lose to Nebraska, which is – not what you want. They rattled off four wins in a row, uh, including two big 12 wins. Um, they had UCF at home where the, and they handled UCF. They, they blew them out. And then they had West Virginia on the road, which we've seen now with Texas that going to West Virginia, regardless of whether or not you think West Virginia is any good, that's a tough place to play. And West Virginia is a kind of frisky, tough out, nothing to lose type of type of team. So the fact that they were able to handle West Virginia on the road is a good sign. And then they go to uh, Lubbock and lose by one in one of the toughest, toughest environments in the country. So it's tough. Um, right now I'd say no, because, you know, I don't know what they're in that. I don't have it pulled up, but they're 58 in Kim Their best win is an overtime win uh, against Villanova. And outside of that, you're looking at like uh, Providence, LSU and UCF as your wins, but they're an interesting team. They've got their, they've, actually responded better than i thought they they would like we were talking about them as one of the one of the worst teams in the conference i'm not sure that's the case because they do have like a they have a shot here to make the tournament but right now i would say probably no
1: yeah i agree i'd say no. um those overtime losses have really hurt their you know ken palm and their net is 76 which is yeah really bad um Tyler Perry's looked a lot better recently, mm-hmm. as he kind of faded early on or later on a non-conference. But mm-hmm. I mean, four OT wins is lucky, I would say. I mean, mm-hmm. once you win enough, I know Tang's never lost and everything, so that might be a skill to win in close games. But um, you don't want to be playing Oral Roberts, North Alabama in overtime, and mm-hmm. that's really hurt their metrics. And obviously with Naquan Tollman, they lost a lot of depth, so it'll be tough to win at tougher places and yes they started 2-1 at conference but their two wins are UCF at home and West Virginia away is tough like every game of the Big 12 is tough so kudos to them but it's still not you know the most quality of one that you can have. Mm-hmm. They're home against Baylor so a little tang revenge game and then um, home against Oklahoma State so two winnable games I would say being at home but mm-hmm. it's probably going to be tough for them and if I had to lean one way it's probably say that they're out.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um. Yeah, I mean that'll be interesting to kind of follow as the season goes on. We'll keep. I think we should keep doing the in or out segment because, uh, we can kind of track the way we feel about them. Like, I mean, a week from now, you know, Baylor could be. I mean, sorry, Kansas State could be four and one in conference play with wins over Baylor and Oklahoma State, and then you're probably saying maybe they are you know, inside of that bubble, but I don't know. We'll see with them. Um, They're an interesting team. All four of those teams are interesting and and have chances to get in.
1: Yeah. And this conference is so fluid that literally any team can make a run because Mm -hmm. every team has talent. So week by week, it's a whole different thing. Like last week we were looking at TCU being um what 11 and 3 and 0 and 1 in conference obviously the Kansas thing but it's still a loss so they were probably out i mean they were out of a lot of bracketologies and mm-hmm. now i would think it's safe to say with two top 10 wins that they're on the right side of it but if you blow two games in a row then you're back on the on the bad side of the bubble so mm-hmm. it's it's so fluid and it's going to be super interesting because the yeah. Big 12 is such a gauntlet
0: yeah for sure um why don't we uh why don't we take a quick break and come back and and talk some TCU? What a week it was for TCU, the Horn Frogs. They uh they get Oklahoma and Houston at home. They win both of them following a really really disappointing loss to Kansas. You know, we heard we heard Jamie talk about it last night in the post game, but the way that his team responded to what was one of the toughest losses you can have uh, has really been cool to see. And this team has proved that that Kansas game was not a fluke and that they were probably, I mean, they certainly were the team that probably should have won that game. I don't know. I think this is a really good team. And um, a week ago, we were talking about this team being on the bubble. I think
1: they are squarely, squarely inside of that bubble now. Yeah. It's insane. The bounce back that they had. I mean, it's so tough to take, a call like that and just feel like your your best effort of the season got wasted. Mm-hmm. But it's unbelievable to come back and win those two top 10 matchups like again it took what was looking at like a down year for TCU and just made it so good. Like Jamie was saying too last night had they are just keep getting better and better and better. Uh like they're such a different team from the Nevada loss and that tournament and even before that because they feel like they found a way to play with each other when you have that many transfers it takes a little bit of time to mesh and mm-hmm. they're finally doing that and playing at the style that they want mm-hmm. um i think they found the the right lineup for them too at the start like inserting sure. Trey in the starting lineup obviously last night's houston game he hit four big threes mm-hmm. um and just avery handling the ball and all that kind of stuff like they found what works for them and which is massive because if mm-hmm. they keep ascending i mean the sky's the limit for this team yeah
0: yeah let's start with the oklahoma game because that was the first of the two that was a wednesday night game in fort worth number nine oklahoma comes to town um man what i mean just is this a was that emmanuel miller's best game as a as a Horn frog
1: yeah, either that or Georgetown, I would say. Yeah. But um it was funny because he, he was exactly twenty-seven points away from a thousand points. And uh I tweeted that before the game. Yes. Like he I was like, it needs twenty seven, and then he hit literally exactly twenty seven, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they needed a big bucket, he answered big three after big three, dagger after dagger. And what really worked for this team is finding a way to play around him. Mm-hmm. Um it's been so obvious recently that he is the best player on the team. Like we had some fun with Jacoby at the start of the year and stuff Mm -hmm. like that because other guys came out a little bit hotter than Eman. But right now Eman's playing so good. And you have to be able to surround like play through him at all times. Um, Mm -hmm. Avery had a great game. He started off, I think O of 10 and then just was kind of on fire in the second half. He owns Oklahoma ever since his Oklahoma state days. Um, Mm -hmm. But what really worked for this team is forcing turnovers and taking care of the ball themselves because they are the best fastback team in the nation. They need to mm-hmm. force turnovers to have success, um, and they won the turnover about a 14-7, which was massive. They got out running. You know, you had a, an off night from Trey, which he was 0-5 from three, and you still were able to hit seven more of those, which is massive. Mm-hmm. Jacoby still didn't even play, and they were able to beat a really good Oklahoma team, so that was massive because you know their defense was stifling. That John Hughley was tough inside, just such yeah. a big body for our bigs, Huge. which yeah, it's probably been um our weakness. You know, Jawan Roberts gave us troubles, Dickinson gave us troubles, and yeah. Hughley gave us troubles that first game. So that's probably the big weakness I have from this game, but mm. such a massive win to bounce back and it's incredible to see that happen yeah huge one so yeah emmanuel miller has 27 and
0: 9 in that game uh six of those nine rebounds were offensive rebounds which is huge because they kind of like kansas dominated tcu in that category uh last saturday um like it seemed like kansas we, was getting offensive boards left and right so i thought it was cool that TCU kind of adopted that a little bit. They had nine offense, offensive rebounds. Again, E-Man had six of them. And then outside of E-Man, you still had like Avery Anderson. You, you mentioned him. He had 15 points, five assists, two steals. I love Jimmy Nelson Jr. coming off the bench. I think he, what he provides is so important for this team. He had 13 points, seven rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Um, Like I think this team is just – really figuring out what they are right now. And after this Oklahoma game, Jamie talked a lot about his guards, uh, meaning Jameer and um, Avery mostly. And he said that those two guys were not healthy in the off season And, you know, every other big 12 team that was at the top of the conference had returning guards. TCU did not. So he knew that it was going to take time for these two to kind of fit in with the team, adjust, because of the time they missed in the offseason, which is why I don't think he worried too much about Clemson and Nevada. Like, that was early in the year. Uh, and now he's saying that these two guys are where, where they need to be right now. Like, they are playing good enough basketball. These are the guards for TCU. And I think, we're, I think the results are, are reflecting the, improvement, the, the improvements that these guys have made, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, uh that was my big takeaway like at the start of the year is that these two are the only two that can handle the ball, the only two that can facilitate. And they've mm-hmm. done that so well. Like mm-hmm. I think Avery might have had six assists last night or something like that, and he had five mm-hmm. in that Oklahoma game. Yep. It's incredible seeing that take place because those two guards are arguably, you know, probably the two but two of the four or five best players on this team so they're going to be the ones that really help them move and get fast in the in the transition also a cool set on that is that both avery and jameer are two of the top four um in steal percentage so forcing these turnovers and getting out fast with the steals that they've gotten has been so big for keeping the pace up for tcu and having them have that success there um and when you play around a star like Emmanuel Miller, you're gonna be able to have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I still think Oklahoma's a really good team. Yeah. But that I was see. that was a massive win. Because we came in to the first three games in conference, you saw Kansas, Oklahoma, and Houston. You were like, if you just win one of them, mm-hmm. you know, we'll take that because your schedule gets a little bit easier after that. But I mean, they were a controversial flagrant call away from being 3-0 and in conference against three of the best teams in the nation
0: yeah yeah like we were talking about in the in the previous segment the big 12 stuff about who's the best team in this conference and if if you hold on and beat kansas you know if a call goes your way and you're 3-0 and in the and big 12 play with wins over kansas oklahoma and houston you're probably the consensus top team in this in this league along with maybe baylor like I think TCU is so for real, and it was just – it's its really cool to see because, like, two weeks ago, we're, we didn't know. Like, we were like, this team might not be good. They lost to the only two good teams they played. You know, we'll see against Kansas. And then, you know, last week we talked about it. They looked good against Kansas. You know, there was some encouraging things. And then you go and you beat Oklahoma and Houston, and we'll talk about Houston next. But, I mean, this team is – um it's it's really cool when you get to see a team get better during the season. Like, it, there's been, especially Emmanuel Miller has gotten so much better. The guards have gotten so much better. Trey Tennyson is finding his shot and, you know, being more consistent with that. Like, it's just, things are fitting in. Ernest Uday Jr. has been everywhere. Like, he's one of those guys where it may not show up on the stat sheet as much as you want, but... If you watch, and I was at the last two, just and sometimes I just watch him and he is everywhere. He's everywhere. And, you know, even like Xavier Cork had a good game last night. He got some big rebounds. Mustafa came in and had had some minutes. Like uh, I think they've they've found their identity, and that's really cool to see.
1: Yeah, when you lose your two best players, probably with Mike and Ba last year, you know it's gonna take a little bit for E man to find that role. Like he was the best player at AM when he was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And just getting back to that because you knew he had it in him. But I mean, it's so tough because you were so used to playing a more of a role player role or a third or second option on the team. But he's really started to take that aggression into it and be able to come into play. And I think a lot of what people forget about this TCU team is that, yes, it's a lot in transfer. So it took him a little bit to get it going. But they're third in experience. all of college basketball. So they're as ready to win now as any team in the nation, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all, yes, they're transferred, but they all have so much college experience. So you mm-hmm. knew, it, or at least I felt like it was going to come together at some point mm-hmm. and it was going to click and it started to click and it's been so encouraging to see.
0: Yeah. Let's move on to Houston. We were both there last night. The atmosphere was awesome. Students were there loud. Um, and to start the game, it was, you know, we're a little worried that Houston may not let TCU even get to the, even look at the basket. Like it, Emmanuel Miller made a three, 21 seconds into the game. And then they didn't make another shot for like eight minutes or something. Um, but they responded to that. They were down 23 to 11, I think at one point, And they came back and, uh, made it a two point game at halftime. And then the second half was just awesome. Back and forth, such a good game. Like that is what you sign up for when you sign up for big 12 basketball is just awesome an awesome atmosphere
1: and uh, a really well-rounded performance from TCU yeah that slow start I think was more just kudos to Houston's defense because Houston has the best defense and as we said um like they are still I don't want to say probably but maybe the best team in the big 12 still Mm -hmm. um and nice. arguably, I mean, you can make the argument for the country because they're one and net and Ken Palm. Mm. So that defense is legit, and you're going to struggle against them. Like, you're not going to be as smooth sailing as you would against any other team up and early. But they got to the point where they started to get a little bit of momentum. They didn't force a lot of turnovers, but they didn't at all at the start, which kept that pace slow. And we've seen mm. a struggle in the half court, which led to that slow twenty three to eleven start, but I think um Jameer had a couple of back to back steals, and they kept getting to the line and getting Houston in foul trouble and just playing at such a aggressive and rugged style that I don't think we've seen before because their usual style wasn't working at at the start, so they mm-hmm. found a different way to win, which has been so encouraging for them, yeah, and then just like clutch shots from Trey and E Man and Micah on the steel at the end. Like they were just clutch. We it's so cool seeing um a win where we didn't really push the pace and run up the score and what yeah. you know, we won a different style which shows that we could be really good because you're gonna have to win in different styles in the Big Twelve and hopefully in the NCAA tournament. So yeah. That that was massive to see and it's It was just, it was an awesome environment. Um, Students are packed. It's going to even get better than that as students start to get back. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was sick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was sick. Um, Yeah. Trey was just massive, especially when you think about him coming off an 0 for 8 shooting performance. He, I think, were all three, were all four of his threes in the second half or was one of them in the first half?
1: They might have been because he got in foul trouble early on. So that what kind of like he only played 21 minutes. And he got off to a slow start, but he's he was clutch.
0: Yeah, I remember there was at the end of the game, it was like Jamal Shedd, I think, hit a three to make it a four-point Houston lead. And you can kind of hear the the life a little bit get sucked out of the building. There's like I don't know how much time there's there is left, but not much time at all. And then TCU comes back down and Trey nails a three right back right back at him, making it a one-point game again, and the place went crazy. Like, it was – he just was hitting these huge shots. It felt like, you know, ex- whenever they needed him to, he was he was hitting them. And then, yeah, like, Emmanuel Miller, you get the ball to your best player. The, the thing that was super cool was TCU didn't have any timeouts like the last three or so minutes of the game, and so they they just had to play their offense. They didn't – you know, there were no set plays – um, Houston missed the front end of a one and one with like thirty, well, like thirty six seconds left in the game, and TC rebounds. It comes down, and they have to run their their offense just you know without calling a timeout and setting it up. And you get the ball in Avery's hands, and he finds uh, Miller on a backdoor cut, and Miller made a really really tough through contact layup that that gave TC the lead with like six seconds left. So. I mean, he showed up again. He had 13 points on three of 10 shooting, uh, five assists, three rebounds, a block. Um, he's just so good. He's so good.
1: Yeah. That last possession was so funny because you said they had no timeouts and they had nothing going for them. No, nothing. Like, literally nothing. And it then, looked like it was dead. Yeah. Last minute, I I think it was Damian Dunn who was guarding E-Man on the baseline. And he lost him for a second, right when it was—I don't know—three seconds left in the shot clock or something. Eman hit backdoor, perfect pass from Avery. (laughs) I mean, it was just—it was panic mode, but they didn't really panic in a sense, like Like, under control panic. Yes, exactly. Perfect pass. I don't know how it wasn't an and one, but that's beside the point because it went in. And then to have that composure. Samson said after the game that he was not gonna call a timeout at all in that Mm -hmm. last possession, which Mm -hmm. I get it because you have them on your heels, but I mean they were out of control coming down. Um, he was he was so
0: mad they didn't get it to shed. Like he he said yes, they practice that, get the ball to shed and let him go. And he I don't know who it was that lost the ball, I have no clue. But he was like, That's probably the last guy we wanted with the ball in their hands, which I thought was pretty funny, but um, yeah, he was adamant about not calling a timeout there, which is fine, but it was out of control. It looked like they yeah. had no clue what they were doing, and Micah PV did what he does and forced
1: a turnover, and that was it. It was awesome. To pick that clean is so tough, too, yeah. because the guy's going out of control, and, like, if you reach, you're putting the guy on the line to yeah. win the game for them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Micah's D was awesome all night. He held... He was on Cryer the majority of the game, and he had a crowd of five points on one of seven shooting, mm-hmm. which was massive. Um, Houston did miss some open threes. So we we definitely didn't get the best Houston performance, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. But Juwan Roberts had 20 and 13 and five. Mm-hmm. He was unbeatable. That's one thing that we definitely have to work on is containing these big men, like we said. We probably tackled the majority of the top big men already in the first three games but I mean it's going to be tough the rest of the way but just an awesome win I mean you couldn't ask for anything more coming off that Kansas loss it was just so encouraging because it's been you know with football like a tough year for TCU fans and then you come with basketball and you're like damn like we I mean still so much longer to go and we still couldn't make the tournament but we're in a much better position than what we were um a week ago.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, it's so fun. Like one of the one of the best atmospheres I've ever been a part of. Like the place went just insane when uh E-man put that in but speaking of E-man, I want to have a conversation about E-man because he's been so good. You've tweeted a lot about him probably, you know, right now an all-American type of guy. So I'm curious what you think about this. How many players in the Big 12 right now would you take or are, are playing better basketball than than Emmanuel Miller? I have a list here of a couple guys with statistics that I can read off to you, but just right off the bat I want I'm curious like where how good is this
1: guy in the in the terms of Big 12 players? Yeah, um I mean Big 12 we have seen have so many top-tier guys. Mm-hmm. I would say probably the best the biggest argument off the top of my head, it would be Dickinson mm-hmm. because he's just having such a monster year and he might be the second best player in college basketball besides Edie. ED. Yeah. Um, Kevin McCullough too is having an amazing year mm-hmm. outside of that. Like I would put him third behind Dickinson and McCuller. Um yeah. and Lipsy has been great for Iowa yeah. state. Shed's yeah. been great for Houston. Emmanuel Sharps are great for Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cryer's been great for Houston. Um there's probably more guys I'm missing. Mm-hmm. But so if yeah, I, I yeah, I would put him top three with Dickinson and McCullough. Okay. So I'll
0: um I have I have a list here of a couple guys that like may even like some of these guys or all of these guys at least have some sort of argument to be in that Emmanuel Miller range. So Emmanuel Miller's stats this year are pretty crazy. He's he's 16.8 points a game, 5.9 rebounds a game, 2.8 assists per game on 50, 40, 85 shooting, which is awesome. So the, so the guy so keep those numbers in mind. I have Kevin McCullough first as, as one of these guys. He is 19.9 points per game, six, six point six rebounds a game, four and a half assists per game on 48, 39, 84. So that's a guy that there's an argument there. And I think he's, you know, he's one of the two or three guys I put above Emmanuel Miller right now. And then you have Hunter Dickinson at 19.2 points per game, 9, 9.2 rebounds a game, and an assist and a half per game on 60, 47, 72 splits. So he's probably the other guy, like you said, that sneaks in above Emmanuel Miller. And then I have guys like Shed. Uh, Jalen Sellers is averaging 17.3 yeah. points per game, but he's, yeah. not shoot- yeah. he's not shooting super efficiently, and he's not really doing anything other than scoring. Uh to mean Lipsy has really impressive numbers. He's 14.8 points a game, 5.6 assists, 5.6 rebounds, and 3.4 steals on 46-38-67 shooting. And those are the guys that I kind of came up with. I don't know. Like Dylan DeSue hasn't played enough basketball yet. He's shooting the ball really well, but he's only played seven games, so it's hard to know. But I think I agree with you. I think I'd probably slot him in behind Dickinson and McCuller and have him above Guys like me, I mean, he and Lipsy, I think are pretty close, but I think it's, I mean, he's, we needed, TCU needed Miller to be their best player. And not only has he he been their best player, he's been one of this conference's best players. So, um, pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I I think the more that I look at it, McCuller and Dickinson would be the only guys I would put Mm -hmm. above him. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of impact, like Lipsy is probably that four, but. I mean, Ace Smith is up there too with the yeah, game winners, yeah. but he's such fun. a liability on defense that mm-hmm. I think teams attack him because he's so small. Um, and Miller is as good of a defensive player, arguably, than an offensive player. I mean, he can guard all types of different positions, yeah, but pretty much it's been if you want, yeah, to. exactly. It's been so encouraging to see because he plays at, as hard, if not harder, than anybody else on the court at all times and he's been mm-hmm. you know such a good um example for TCU like he's he's a great dude to have as your like yeah star guy like he's always awesome in post game and stuff like that yeah. so he's super easy to root for mm-hmm. but it's insane because he was named all Big 12 in preseason and to me that was kind of a shock because he hasn't sh- shown I guess he did A and M, but like in recent years, that he has that play style to be the number one option. But Mm -hmm. he's proved all Big Twelve voters right, and even beyond, I think, because he's hitting clutch shots. He's been a better shooter. He's Mm -hmm. done all that. He's taken all these next steps to where he's getting the number one option guarding him on defense a game, and he's still producing at such a high level. Mm -hmm. Um, The stat I posted today was that he was second in offensive rating among all biz 12 players who played at least 20 or who have shot um, on 20% of all possessions, mm-hmm. which is crazy because you play in um, a league of so many different players. Like mm-hmm. the only guy above him was Godwin for Oklahoma, the big man. Mm-hmm. And he plays at such a more conservative style that I think it's probably easier to be that offensive rating. But I mean, mm-hmm. the top five is Godwin, Eman, Jacoby Walter, Emmanuel Sharp, and L.J. Cryer. So, yeah, that's top tier offense at the game, at the mm-hmm. forefront for the Big Twelve, and Eman's even more than that on defense. So, mm-hmm. he's top three player in the Big Twelve, and legitimately has a case to be considered in All American talks.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I've not, I had not been to a game until the Oklahoma and Houston games. I went to both of those. And he, you you mentioned it. He is not only impressive on the court, but he is so impressive in post game stuff. Like he, I think he loves. I kind of feel like he loves it, and he likes to, um, he likes to talk about basketball and and his teammates and all that. And I think it's he's such an easy guy to root for. And I remember you know we talked with uh, Colin when he was on about whether or not you know when he came from A and M, he was kind of the like a post guy. Like he scored a lot. He Average 16.2 points a game for AM in 2020, but he was like their post player kind of. And, you know, Colin didn't really expect him to turn into what he is now, and I don't think anybody really did. But now he's just like he's not really a post guy. He can be, but he's a perimeter guy who can attack the basket. He can shoot now. He's shooting 50% from three. I don't know how many attempts he's shooting, but that's still wild. 49% uh, from the field. Um just the, the improvements he's made uh have been really, really cool to watch. And he's yeah, he's such an easy guy to to like and to root for.
1: Yeah, I like that you brought up that Colin interview because I remember him saying at the time that E was the best leader he's ever covered at TCU, yeah. which wow. I thought was crazy because we saw like a dug in last year and mm-hmm. how much he rode that team on his back. Yeah. And even like Mike and you know Colin had Bain and all these great Bain, athletes yeah. at t c u that have been great leaders but i I see what he's talking about because E-Man rides for his teammates and rides for t c u as much mm-hmm. as anybody like you can yeah. tell he really loves a school and it's so when you want to play for others like that and play for your school, I know it's like cliche, but that really has an impact on mm-hmm. those around you to want to better and stuff like that and Mm. have fans be more bought into you and ride for you and I think the Schollmeyer's has especially in recent years has been one of the most probably underrated environments in college basketball because it wasn't it doesn't have that historical factor but I mean Mm. recent years we packed it and um, you know we've had court storms big wins and this program is starting to rise and rise more and more I mean we've Mm. seen with the recruiting class we have for next year we're starting to get better and better and guys like Eman are so big with repping the school and, and having, building that culture around it. So shout out Eman.
0: Yeah, definitely shout out Eman. Like uh, in the post game stuff, someone will ask him about, you know, his game and he'll, the first thing he will say he'll mention is his teammates. Like he was with uh, Avery and Trey last night and it seemed like he talked a lot more about them than he talked about himself, which is just, you know, that's kind of what, I mean it's I th- I think it's rare that you find guys like that who genuinely like really love their teammates like that. It's just I don't know, it's very cool and, and to see him have the year on the court that he's having combined with who he is as a guy is super cool. And um he's like, you know, when you lose Mike and Dame, you're wondering like is is, is that the best we're gonna see TC basketball? And then Emmanuel Miller steps in. And is the best player on this team and a top three player in the com- in, in the best conference in basketball, which probably makes him one of the best players in the country. You know, probably one of the, what, 2015 best players in the country. So, uh, I don't know, super cool to watch what he's been doing. And
1: um, yeah,
0: definitely shout out, shout out to him. Awesome. Yeah.
1: I don't want to get too going in this way, talking about like broader things, but I mean, Jamie's proven that he is so lethal in the transfer portal era and yeah. i think he'll have TCU basketball being competitive year in and year out and he's mm-hmm. starting to build yep. a program that can compete with the top tier because you're already in the top conference and if you keep having success there you're going to rise and rise in all the ranks
0: i think he's done a really good job of y- utilizing the portal and high school recruiting kind of combining the two sure. because- the class like the freshmen that TCU has this year are not going to play the red shirting but like they both those guys have a chance to really contribute next year and you know the class they have coming in and you know you're we know for sure that he's going to do some work in the portal so um yeah just it's fun it's fun to to watch this TCU basketball program that was basically nothing like a decade ago all of a sudden you know regularly beating top 10 teams and, you know, having marketable guys like E-Man or Mike or, or Bane. It's just cool. Very cool. And, and then like, you know, we have to mention all these, if we're going to mention all these guys I have to mention Kenny hustle, who's getting his number retired yeah. uh, against Texas in February, which is cool, but it's been cool to watch. Like I remember watching the NIT win in 2017, I was pumped about that uh, with like Kenny and, and those guys. And then, to see where they are now with, you know, guys like Emmanuel and Jameer and Avery. It's uh, cool to see. Cool to see.
1: Yeah, I think last time we had the back-to-back top 10 wins was a couple years ago with Tech and Kansas yeah. with the back-to-back court storms. And that was just an awesome time to mm-hmm. to be a student and rush the court and all that kind of things. And you saw, like, a change of culture, it seemed like. Like, I wasn't a TCU fan, um, before three years ago when I started going here, but you could tell that these wins meant more for what the program is going in and that they hadn't mm-hmm. had success yeah. like this in a yeah. long time. So super cool to see. Yeah. Uh, before we
0: go, let's talk about the uh, the up, this week's upcoming games, Cincinnati and Iowa State, both good teams, as we've seen. We get TCU goes on the road to play Cincinnati, which is a team that Jamie's, pretty familiar with from his pit days i think or a program at least that he's familiar with and then you get uh iowa state back at home next saturday which i'm sure is going to be uh packed completely packed but what is your um you know you said last week that if if tcu picks up one of the houston oklahoma games you're happy what is your expectation uh this week cincinnati ohio state
1: yeah i mean it it doesn't get much easier, if any easier, with Cincy and Ohio, Iowa State, they're still two of the top teams in the conference. I think, I think if you split these, I mean, you'd love to win both of them, but yeah. if you split these, you're still like at a good spot and had successful mm-hmm. and had success. Like going at Cincy, super tough. Cincy's coming off a close loss to Baylor and a game that they should have won in Texas, and then a win at BYU. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 32 in Ken Palm, and they have a real Good team i'm worried about victor um lakin because he we've seen big men give us troubles and he's one of the best big men in the con in the conference mm-hmm. um they have good guards like dan skillings and Day thomas and you know they're they're a really good team and it's cool to see who Miller's done building the cincy program um from what it was you know a couple of years back when Cronin was there and all that kind of stuff but that's gonna be super tough and then yeah you said Iowa State you know Taman Lipsy's been one of the best top five player in the conference they just had a win against Houston and then a win um against Oklahoma State their only loss is to Oklahoma which is another mm-hmm. really good team in conference. So. They're super tough. I do. I think if you split them, I think TCU has proved that they could beat anybody, so they could win both of these. Mm-hmm. But if you drop one, it's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, one thing that I'm looking for, forward to is to see how they continue to – um, how their offense continues to adapt to these good defenses. Like Houston is clearly the number one defense in the country. It was very evident last night that Houston is just tough to score on um Cincinnati's the 18th best defense in the country per Kimpom and then you have Iowa State who I was shocked to know is number 2 in the in the whole country. So you have more defensive tests. It feels like it's going to be like that every night, just a battle. But I mean there's a there may not be a a team in the big 12 outside of Baylor and tech that has more momentum than TCU right now. And you could argue that TCU has the most because of what they almost did at Kansas. And then what they've done against two top 10 teams. Um, But yeah, I think splitting is okay. Um, But this is a definitely a team that's capable of winning any game on the schedule. So, and if you, and you, you know, you uh, account for the momentum, you account for them going on the, on the road and wanting to get a road a big road win. I think they're very capable of going two and zero this week, but both these teams are very tough and um both should
1: be really good games. Definitely. Yeah. Um it in terms of Cincy looking more at them, like their offense isn't as good. So I think if you just kind of and you know they don't shoot the ball particularly well. So if you kind of hone in on Victor as the big man Mm-hmm. Because you know he's giving you trouble. That's probably the game plan I would go with. Maybe send a couple at him when he gets the ball on the post and mm-hmm. just work from inside out. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can you can run fast with, with Cincy. They play it kind of a faster place. And same with Iowa State. Um they you you can play the play the pace that, that you want. Both are obviously super good teams, but yeah, as we said, T C you can win. Yeah. Any game that they play, so I'm yeah. looking forward to them. All right, before we go, what is your official prediction for this week? Let's put it out there. I think they split them. I think, God, if I had a, to to predict, they might lose at Cincy. I feel like they're riding kind of a high right now, and it could be kind mm-hmm. of a letdown game mm-hmm. just based off like stupid thoughts that you have in sports like, oh, let down, oh, he's coming off yeah. the loss, he's going to be pissed off, stuff like that. And yeah. then I think the crowd's going to be rocking on Saturday, and we are going to get a big win against Iowa State.
0: Yeah. I think if I uh, had to choose, I would go with you there. I think maybe again, very capable of being a 2 in a week, but I think uh, Cincinnati's coming off two really um, tough losses, very close losses. I think they have a have a great chance to get TCU, and then yeah, I think Iowa State back at home is going to be a huge game, huge atmosphere. Iowa State plays BYU on the road the on Tuesday, so they'll be uh, they'll be coming in after a battle themselves. I think uh, maybe a loss since he beat Iowa State at home, split those two, and then what? You're
1: three and two in conference play, yeah, which is yeah. a huge success. And then you get yeah. Oklahoma State, you know, yeah, you get a little bit lighter, so yeah. It should be fun to watch. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thanks for uh, thanks for
0: listening once again. This is the 10th episode. We made it 10 episodes into the uh, Frog Fever, Killer Frogs, Big 12 Basketball Podcast, which is super cool. We appreciate you guys coming back and listening each and every week. You can find us anywhere uh, that you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Podcast App, Help Music, KillerFrogs.com, all those places. Um, once again, my name is Davis Wilson. That's Nick Germani, my co host, and we will see you next week.
1: Thanks.